Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Bible in a Year reading plan. We also have the plan available on our website, Church. Yes. And Bible I... in a Year? What? Oh, my God. Did you mess it up again? Every time. Evan. All right, hold on. Should I just leave that blooper in? For what the... are you, new? <laughs> Dude, just the worst. Okay, hold on. Here we go. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Let's Read the Bible Together reading plan. We also have the plan available on our website, growth.church. And I don't know if you know this, dear listener, but if you have questions, we would love to take time as much as we can at the end of every podcast to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'd love for you to send them in to us. There's two ways you can do that. One is an email. Uh, the email address to send them to is info at grove.church, or you can direct message our Grove Church Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in Washington State, uh, and you can send us the questions there. Would love for you to do that. All right. Well, today we are we're doing we're doing it, listeners. We're starting the second you started your Bible reading in a whole year plan. I'm sure you thought to yourself, Lord, please not Leviticus. We're doing it. It's going to be awesome. We've entitled this episode Leviticus, the You Can Do It Guide, which. Honestly, I was looking at my bookshelf and I saw a book called Children's Ministry, The You Can Do It Guide. And I was like, that's a great title. Oh, you ripped it off. So Jim Weidman, wherever you are, thank you for that idea of a title. That's what we're calling it today. There's nothing new under the sun. That's Ecclesiastes. So that is absolutely true. No. So the the, the point of today is in this episode is really to kind of like, we're going to take one of the most notoriously difficult books of the Bible to read. We're going to give you some context to it. And together, again, listeners, together. We can do this. It's going to be awesome. So here, here we go. Um, as far as resources go, we're just using our standard survey book that we like. So that's the essence of the Old Testament: a survey by Ed Hinson and Gary Yates. And again, if you if you want to dive in deeper into some Old Testament topics, it's a great book. So there yeah. you go. All right, Leviticus. Let's do this thing. Third book of the Pentateuch, which the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible. Um, And it deals mostly with the laws of holiness, and this is both for Yahweh's people and for the priesthood. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, I thought this was interesting. the The books had quite a few names as the uh, as time has gone on. So at first it was called uh, Weikra. I hope I'm saying that right. I don't know for sure, Uh, but that translates to "and he called," which is the first line of the book. It says "and." Uh, Yahweh called to Moses. So kind of cool. Huh. I like that name. I didn't know that. Uh, after I'm the, just impressed that you were able to say Waikra so simply and so fluidly. Waikra, Waikra. I don't know. I spent, Dude, it was well done, man. I spent a lot of time yesterday looking at it and be like, how would, <laughs> how do you say this word? Uh, if you're, if you're, if you look at the word, it's W-A-Y-Y-I-Q-R-A. So when I look at that word, I'm like, uh, we're just going to move on. And so you said it so fluidly. So well done. Thank you. I'm, I'm silently applauding you. So. And I, I appreciate that. Um, it, it would be later known as the law of the priest and the law of offerings, um, which I, mean, I don't know. It's kind of like the title, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Like it just kind of tells you straight up, this is what <laughs> this is what is in the book. It's the law of the priests and the law of the offerings. Yes. Yeah, so. But those books are nowhere near comparison to True. Re- readability. Yeah, that's accurate. It's more of just, you know, not 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 super creative, but I I, I applaud the clarity at least. Yes. Clarity is king and kind and clear. And clear. Boom. Uh, and then eventually when it goes when the Septuagint comes around, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So this was mm-hmm. made um it's a little bit different from 
the New Testament in that, well, A, it's completely different books, but the Septuagint was made before Jesus, if that makes sense. So when Greek culture starts to dominate, they translate it, they translate the Hebrew Old Testament into Greek. That's what we call the Septuagint. And it was called uh, Leuticon, which is, I'm just going to blow through that and hopefully that's how you say it. Um, but it translates to that which pertains to the Levites, which is where we get the title Leviticus. So basically it's just a an Anglicization of that word. So I don't know. I like Weikra. That's way cooler. <laughs> That's way cooler than that which pertains to the Levites. But you know, to each their own. To each well, their I own. just watched the most recent Amazing Race episode compared to this, or as I guess in proximity to the drop date of this podcast, and they were in Greece. So this uh, isn't a. This I, is not a shot at Amazing Race. I no. had no idea that show was still on. Oh, dude, yes, really? it's, it's awesome. Do you dude. remember? Do you know the Holderness family? Yeah, they, the 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 Facebook Pan and Kim. Yeah, they're sure. On it, they, so. Oh. There you go. Yep. And I don't want to spoil anything, but they've won three legs in a row so far. So anyways, um, so it was just funny because like I'm looking at that, just looking at one of the words they had to spell and how it was pronounced. Um, I I think you were close with the Leuticon, but I I actually think it might be more of a, a stronger I, but it doesn't matter. It's it's literally a moot point. Because we're, so. we're not going to It literally it is the end of the week for us and I'm speaking to camp next weekend. So it's one of those like, oh, random tidbit rabbit trail. It happens. So there you go. <laughs> welcome, welcome behind the veil, people. All right. Uh, well, the book is primarily concerned with the holiness of God and how his people are meant to be set apart. So it, and you will, if you, as you read through Leviticus, you will see like, yeah, this is very unlike other ancient cultures yep. of the time. So they, they very much would have been set apart. Uh, through the light of the gospel, we can now see this book as a reminder of what we have been saved from. Uh, the law is at once an intimidating reminder of God's holiness and of our own shortcomings. And so what I mean by consistent that- Consistent shortcomings. Consistent shortcomings, absolutely. Ongoing, always never ending. And what I mean by that is sometimes it's it's very hard to really contextualize the Old Testament for Christians because obviously Jesus came to fulfill the Old Covenant and, he, and the New Covenant is a replacement of the Old Covenant. Mm-hmm. So in one sense, it's not, most of Leviticus is not applicable to us in the sense of like, like, here's what you should do when I'm trying to think of like, pull out one of the random rules, but there's, you know, we're not actually following some of those rules. Um, but A, it reminds us of how just unholy we are in yeah. comparison to God, in comparison to God's holiness. Um, but it also, I think as we read this, we can be, we can be thankful that we're not under the old law because the old law is like, it's, it's hard to follow. It's incredible. So having the new covenant is, is pretty special. Yeah. And I think it's important too, even in the same thought in the same vein, there is um, we're unholy, <clears throat> but it also shows the, the effects of sin. And I think yeah. that that's part of that. The, the Levitical law and the holiness of God um, God is so holy, the side effects and the reality and the consequences of sin in our lives have removed us from the ability to, to remain in proximity to, to God because of that, because of that holiness standard. Um, and so you're seeing, you'll see in Leviticus, it's re, it's, and I love this picture of like in light of the gospel, like this, this is a big deal um, because God was about re- redeeming and reconciling his people back into relationship with him. And the Levitical law was the, was, was an attempt uh, not that God was imp- imperfect, I'm not implying that, but it was it was the first attempt to really kind of start that reconciliation, but to bring to recognition the the cause and the problem of sin in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of the things like I even think about like when you have a boil or you have or you're sick of some sort or you're you're uh, you're unclean after childbirth. Like there's so many different realities of um, 
the, the, the side effect of sin, the reality of sin in our lives. So that's what you're going to see throughout the book of Leviticus is this, this standard of holiness and God laying out for, for his people originally, this is what it's going to take, mm-hmm. um, which it's such an astronomical <laughs> standard uh, apart from the work of Jesus. That's why there's hope and we get to rejoice in Christ. So It's true. All right. Well, without further ado, beloved listeners, Here we go. let's do this. All right. And we're, by the way, just for clarity, we're doing the whole book of Leviticus today because we skipped like, I think it was Saturday we started it. Yeah, it was a few chapters. I think it was six or seven chapters yep. in, right? And then it's like two days after this week you're finishing it. So we're, we're just going to do the whole thing. No yep. need to divide it. This is Leviticus. The, the you can do it guide. <laughs> so, all right. First seven chapters, we are going to get a list of sacrifices. So this is a very famous part of the old covenant. We always hear about, you know, the temple, um, there's blood everywhere because they're sacrificing animals or sacrificing different things. So yeah, a little bit gruesome, but you know, it's ancient, it's ancient times as it were. Um, the first seven chapters of Leviticus deal with the rules that God imposes for sacrifices. The first one that we get is a burnt offering, which, and you'll notice this as a theme with all of the sacrifices. It is always one of the most valuable animals of your herd. You do mm-hmm. not give you do not give runts to God. You do not give like the sickly or the old animals. You are giving a prime animal that you yeah. could sell for a lot of money. That is what you were to give to the Lord. So and that was the difference between Cain and Abel. Yep. And their sacrifices to God. One gave the best, one gave the the mediocre or the leftovers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, it's just this whole idea of you do not give God your second best. Which even that, like again. I think that's applicable for us today to realize like, yeah, even in our lives, or we're not giving, you know, a cow to the Lord, but it's this idea oh, of we we're don't. Not, just kidding. Yeah. Like when when I'm, um, I'm not giving my second best as far as time, as far as talents, even as far as money goes, like, it's not like I'm going to pay everything. And then if I have money left over to give away, to yeah. give to the Lord, no, no, it's, it's your first. So um, these offerings were made for an atonement of sins, and they were a way of showing Yahweh how much his people valued forgiveness of sins. So essentially, and well, well, I'll talk about this here in a second. So chapter two deals with grain offerings. So it's like a burnt offering, except instead of giving an animal, you're giving grain. And so this would be a way, if you're, especially if you're a farmer who makes your way, if you make your living by herding sheep or goats or cows or whatever it was, then yeah, burnt offering makes sense. If you make your living by growing things, you know, a grain offering makes sense because that is your first fruits, as it were. Um, and then these were made to show God how thankful they were for a harvest. Um, so like the burnt offering, the Israelites were commanded to give only their best. So yeah, you don't like, you don't give the the gross misshapen, I was about to say potatoes, but that wasn't an old crop. That was in, that was in the Americas, but I don't know. Grain, is there misshapen grain? I don't know. I should probably know these things. Wheat, is there bad wheat? If there is, don't give the bad wheat to the Lord, only give him the good wheat. So there you go. Um, And then in chapter three, we get a peace offering, which was another animal sacrifice. Again, it was a prime animal. Um, And then this sacrifice was made to show God how thankful Israel was for the peace that now existed between them and God. So where there could be conflict, there is now peace. And this was an offering that you were supposed to make to show God how thankful you were for that peace. Um, so all three of these sacrifices were not mandatory, which is interesting. So it's yeah, not like, really interesting. yeah, so it's not like every year you will make a grain offering and a burnt offering and a peace offering. These are literally meant to be um, voluntary expressions of God's people's thankfulness yeah. for him. And so, and that's why they're described when I was reading through studying, um, it was talking about how in each three of these, it's described as a sweet aroma to the Lord, or in other words, it's just something that we're doing to please God. Yeah. 
Now, the next two sacrifices we get, these are mandatory. These are sacrifices that you have to make in certain circumstances. So in chapter four, we're introduced to sin offerings, and these are sacrifices that were meant to be atonement for specific sins, not sin in general. So the burnt offering is kind of just saying, like, essentially, it's a it's an offering for your generic sin that you just have in your life, whereas the sin offering in particular is, I don't know, like I punched Aaron or I stole from Aaron, and now to make atonement for that, I will um, do a sin offering to show God how, how um, sorry I am, how I repent of a one specific sin. And then after that, we're introduced to guilt offerings, which I think is, is these were really interesting. I hadn't really read up on this too much, um, but it was actually a command to make it right with the person that you wronged. So for instance, to use the example of I steal from Aaron, um, I would do a sin offering, but then I would also do a guilt offering, which was more um, either money or something of value that was to be returned to the person plus extra. So the priest would kind of decide an extra percentage on top of whatever it was that you had taken, or for a, if it wasn't a theft, like if it was something else, the priest would decide this is the value of the sin that you committed and you were to give that to the other person. It's a way to make atonement for your guilt and actually pay the person back. So interesting. There you go. Yeah. That's the first seven chapters. So we get, as you're reading those, we're getting sacrifices. We're getting this idea of how are God's people set apart? Well, first three, it's showing them how thankful they are for all for what God has already done. And then in the second two, it's showing the seriousness of sin and also the necessity of making things right when we wrong other people. So while, again, this isn't necessarily applicable in the sense of, um, like when I sin against someone, I'm not going to go find a cow and sacrifice the cow. But it is applicable in the sense of when I sin against someone, it is a good thing to make that right, um, whatever that looks like in our modern context. So there you go. All right. Next up, we're going to get to the laws of the priesthood, which starts off in chapter eight, and it goes through chapter 10. Um, in chapter eight, we see Aaron and his sons. This is old Aaron. Yeah, not, not current Aaron. Not host Aaron. Uh, Aaron and his sons consecrated as priests. So this is Nadab and Abihu, and they're the, Aaron is the first high priest of Israel. Um, and then we also see how seriously God took the idea of holiness because we get um, this passage in Leviticus 10. It says, now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and had incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified and before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Which is an interesting line there too, because you can see that Aaron's not, he's not happy about it, but he's like, he understands like, okay, this is what, this is what is right. Also again, really tragic. That's really sad. Yeah. You lose, you lose both of your sons like that. So, and we can kind of just like glance through things in the Bible. Um, but it does show that God's commands to Israel in this moment, the, the, these laws and rules of the old covenant, they're not a joke. Yeah. <laughs> he takes these very, very seriously. And it's a, even just in the simple idea of, I didn't command you to do this. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing things differently? That I commanded that you be, have that, having that be punishable by death shows just how great the chasm is between the way that we understand the world versus the way that God understands the world, I guess, if that makes sense. So, yeah. And I think it also, I mean, it just paints a picture of reverence. Um, it, paints, it paints a picture of, for us, like the idea of, and I say this carefully because I think scripture is very clear that Jesus satisfied the wrath of God for the time. Um, and so in our irreverence um, today, 
there's a certain level of grace that did not entirely exist between God and his people because God was the, um, God was directly connected and con contacting and, and dealing with the unholiness and the sin of his, of his people. Uh, but you see like there is a certain level of, this isn't something to be flippant about. It's, it's when we approach God, there is some severity and seriousness to it. Like even trying to teach my kids the idea of reverence and, and respect of when we pray, it's not a time to goof off. It's, it's a time to understand like we're, we're actually, God is inviting us to have a conversation to invite him into our evening or our day or whatever. Um, so it's not a time to goof off. It's not a time to be, to be silly and ridiculous um, as, as an old, you know, as, an, as, as I would understand. And so there, and it's not to be, it's again, it's not even to be super serious. I think there's a time of joy and there's, there's something about being living a new covenant allows us to have access to God. Like we, we, we haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. um, and so there is like God sets a standard and he, he holds us accountable to that standard. Um, and Nadab and Abihu, we don't know their intentions. Like, let's be positive for a second. Maybe they were just so excited to worship God this way, to lead God's people in worship that they made a mistake. But at the same time, that standard still exists. There's a holiness piece to this whole thing that we, that we can only understand in part because, um, that wrath has been satisfied because of the sacrifice and resurrection, the death and resurrection of Christ. Yep. Um, so, but it is, it's a big deal. It, it paints a very clear picture for us. Is it James that says not many of you should desire to be teachers? Or yes. is that Okay. So it, yeah. it reminds me of that a little bit where it is this idea of the Levites were the tribe that was set apart to be the priests, um, to be the one their, – their inheritance essentially, they weren't given land. Their inheritance was the priesthood. Um, but because of that, they have extra rules. And so yeah. as we're reading chapters 8 through 10, just think through the idea that – um, God takes the priesthood very seriously, and this, and not in the same way, but in a similar way. Um, God also takes the idea of those who should preach the gospel, um, which should be all Christians. He's going to take that very seriously, and those who are in authority, um, there is a there's an extra responsibility placed on those people. So there you go. All right, chapters eleven through fifteen, we're going to get into the laws of purity. Um, this is probably the most odd sounding section for us to read today. Um, they deal with these purity laws that, and, and I, I say I say really set Israel apart. I mean, this this was really what set Israel apart um, from other nations as far as everyday practices. Like if you walked in from, if you lived your whole life in one of these other uh, regions, one of these other empires, and you came into Israel, you would instantly be struck by like what is what yeah what's, what's going on yeah like what is happening here. Um, and so in these laws, God is communicating the importance of ritual purity in the old covenant. Um, and as you read through, I think one of the big takeaways is just be thankful that how we're not held to these rules, but also think about what does this say about God's level of purity, God's level of holiness. And so, and I think it's kind of just a constant refrain throughout the whole book of Leviticus is this idea of on the one hand saying like, wow, I'm not, I'm not held to this law anymore. That's really great. I can eat bacon. Um, but on the on the other hand, also saying like, well, why does God make all of these rules? And I think he's trying to communicate that he is so different from the other religions, cults, false gods that we see in the ancient world. Because he is he's Yahweh. He's mm -hmm. the one true God. He is the creator of heaven and earth. And in the same way, his people, Israel, needed to be so different from the other cultures around them because they were his chosen people. So kind of that idea there. Uh, in chapter 16, we just get a, this whole section here is just one chapter, but we get the Day of Atonement. Um, you might have heard it called Yom Kippur, um, and it is still celebrated in Judaism, and it is probably the, the holiest day uh, in Judaism. 
In ancient times on this day, the high priest would sacrifice for his own sins. So we see Aaron do that. And then after this, two goats would be chosen. Uh, the first one would be sacrificed, and I believe its blood was spread over the top of the Ark of the Covenant, which is kind of a cool deal. Uh, and then the second goat would have all of its all of the sins of the nation symbolically transferred to it, and then it would be released into the wilderness. And then, fun fact: this is where we get the word scapegoat from. So, if you ever use that idea, uh, it, you know it's very similar to the way that we use it today. A scapegoat is someone who takes the blame uh, for the problems of everyone else. In this way, the scapegoat was the goat um, that literally took on the weight of the sin of the nation and then was set set loose. So. There you go. Uh, and then this day is a reminder for God, uh, to God's people of his mercy to them in the midst of their sin. And then I love just this is the closing out of the chapter here, but it says this, and it shall be a statute to you forever that in the seventh month, on the 10th day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. So kind of a super Sabbath, if you will. Uh, for on this day, shall atonement be made to uh, for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all of your sins. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest to you, and you shall afflict yourselves. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated as priest in his father's place shall make atonement wearing holy linen garments. He shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar. And he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly." And this shall be a statute forever to you, that atonement may be made for the people of Israel once in a year because of all their sins. And Aaron did as the Lord commanded Moses. Yes, I did. So there, good job, Aaron. Way to go. <laughs> you know, we're really we're really moving past that whole golden calf incident. Yeah. Hey, progress. Just when I thought you couldn't get any dumber. <laughs> Uh, and just and just so you go, it's funny. I had to stop and look up a different translation um, because of the word "afflict." Afflict was kind of a weird word to to read, but the whole idea of self denial is what it comes down to. It's not. Um, I just, I just have I have a maybe I'm a jaded Christian when it comes to that picture that word of afflict, and only because I think of I have to like beat myself up or. But it's just the idea of self denial, so that makes it a, that makes it a little bit better. There you go, a little easier pill to swallow. Well, I think I think I. I'm pretty sure on Yom Kippur, the idea is you fast the whole day and you kind of spend it in. I, I should be more up on what actually happens there, but it's a whole. I don't know if I say, I guess I don't know if it should be, but you know, I like to learn things. Anywho, the final 10 chapters. So this is chapter 17 through 27. And after this, listener, you will have read Leviticus. So done. Final push. Here we go. If you're listening to this and you haven't and you've given up on Leviticus, you can do it. Just lean in, put your head down and read. We can do it, listeners. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide, but you can do it. After this, it's all it's all uphill, downhill. Kind of. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's genealogies. There's numbers is going to be uphill at that's times. True. There's harder. There's, there's hard some parts. narrative for sure. Yeah. But you know, and then eventually we get to Job, which everyone knows is the coolest Old Testament book. So it's just going to sure. be awesome. All right. Uh, the final 10 chapters of Leviticus deal with the holy lives that the people were commanded to live. So there are rules that are set up for where sacrifices should take place, um, how those should, who sacrifice children should be punished, spoiler alerts, being put to death. And you know what? Sounds good to me. Uh, as well as outlining the different feasts that should be celebrated. So again, these are things that separate God's people out from the... And it's it's kind of weird because we think of human sacrifices just being really like barbaric and out there. Um, that's really because that's really because of Christian culture and Christian, and I, I should say, Jewish culture, Judeo-Christian culture, I guess is the way to put it. Um, but the idea of sacrificing humans to the gods—that was very 
widely accepted. That's that, that wasn't a crazy thing to say. But when you're in Israel, and this is a, this is a law that's not just applied to the Jews, not just to God's people. It's literally anyone in Israel who gives up a child for sacrifice, they're to be put to death immediately. God's like, Molech, not cool with it. So, mm-hmm. and you know what? Hey, thanks, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Works, works for me. Um, and then as we read through, I would say, for me, the, the interesting part of this is just kind of like the feasts and the different festivals that are set up because, again, we're not held to them. We're told very clearly in the New Testament that um, we are not under obligation to celebrate these feasts. But as you read through them, think through, well, why did God institute this feast? Why did God make mm-hmm. this festival a thing? What was he trying to make the people of Israel remember? What was he trying to make them thankful for? And then what are those things that maybe I should also be thankful for those things. Maybe I should also remember those things. So again, not necessarily in the full uh, feast sense of it, but it is good just to look back on God's faithfulness to Israel and reflect on those things today. So there you go. Well, that's it. That we is, did it. We did it, guys. That is the guide. Gals. If you need to come back and listen to different sections so that it's easier, you can do that too. But Leviticus, you can do it. We can do it. It's going to be awesome, I believe. Let's move on to Psalms. But before we do, hey, hey, listener, why don't you leave us a five-star review? That'd be really, that'd be really swell. We, we would love it on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Spotify, you can only give us a five-star. Well, you can do is less, but we love five stars. Five uh, stars, for but sure. we don't have an opportunity to do reviews yet. So, if you are listening on Spotify, you have yet to rate us at five. Uh, please do, because uh, that will then, as we continue to progress, we hit a threshold. It'll open up an opportunity to rate, uh, and not just rate, but add a review. So, uh, we'd love for you to do that. But we do actually have another review that I want to take a moment and read uh, on our Apple Podcast. Ooh. Happen. So this comes from a, a new friend, Alex Kirsch. Uh, his title is Happy Find! Exclamation point. So <gasps> it makes me happy that you're happy. Uh, but this is what he said. He says, I'm looking for a podcast episode for the story of Joseph. And I happened to stumble across this podcast episode for the life of Joseph. I'm so happy I found this podcast. I've been trying my hardest to binge and catch up on all the episodes. We're like Netflix, bro. Thank um, you. It says, I love Aaron and Evan. They're such a great duo. And I love what they bring. They are so extremely biblically sound to the point where I'm learning new stuff from them. And I am in school for ministry. Uh, if you haven't given them a chance yet, I hope you do soon. Uh, Alex, thank you for that, man. Uh, we'll be praying for you as you're continuing ministry because uh, that's a big deal. Um, but uh, excited and appreciate your review. And, and if you're listening and you have yet to give us a review, can I just ask you to do it? Uh, because it helps the algorithm. It helps us continue to grow a community. Not it, Yes, it, it, it gives us a pat on the back and it makes us feel good. Uh, but really, even more than that, it helps the, the reach of our podcast and the ability to talk about the Bible together. Uh, it helps it increase that reach. So we'd love for you to do that. Um, kind of to wrap up this podcast, there's uh, some of the things that we hit every week you're seeing is a trickling of Psalms uh, throughout their days of reading. Uh, and so there's a there's a few Psalms that we hit today. And there's actually three this week, not just today, but this week we will read three of them. Uh, and it's Psalm 40, Psalm 37, and Psalm 92. Uh, and so one of the new things that we've been doing the last several weeks is just kind of, hey, here's the quick overview of these Psalms. Uh, there's one that I'm going to highlight and kind of read a little bit more from, but um, just do the quick highlight too. So the first Psalm we'll tackle this week is Psalm 40. Um, and it's a psalm that's going to combine two parts. Uh, first, it's going to give thanks for the many uh, mercies uh, the, that the singer has received from God. Uh, and then it pre- presents a fresh instance of need for God's help. Um, and so you're going to find that both parts will recognize that uh, an individual's experience of God's mercy can lead to others rejoicing in God, which I think is so cool uh, because it is that moment to reflect 
uh, in our own lives. I see a moment to reflect on everything God has done, but also a reminder that God, we need you to continue to help us. And so uh, that's what Psalm 40 will present. Um, Psalm 37, uh, we'll say, I'm going to read it here in a minute, but it's interesting because one of the things we're going to be jumping into next week uh, is the book of Proverbs. So this is almost like a teaser taste of what Proverbs is going to bring um, because this psalm can often, and I've actually heard it called, uh, it's a wisdom psalm uh, because it reflects themes of that normally deal uh, that are dealt with within wisdom literature. Um, it's going to find, you're going to find that it, this psalm specific, or specifically addresses the problem of godless people prospering, uh, which is a question that I think a lot of us deal with. Uh, and it helps uh, those who are faithful to the Lord's ways to see that it really is uh, better to stay loyal to the Lord, uh, a loyalty that's expressed in this contentment, this honest dealing, generosity, just speech. Um, and at the end, God's going to separate both groups, those who have been faithful and loyal and those who have not been faithful or trusted God. And uh, and at the end, you're going to see that God will deal with them uh, in his own timing, in his own way. And he, the call to be, uh, of the faithful ones, those of us who will continue to trust in God's loyalty, uh, we just must wait patiently. And it's interesting because I think no one, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this question. Why do, why do good things happen to bad people? Why do they, why do their, their businesses prosper? Why and it's, it's, it's a theme in different moments of scripture. Um, and we get, as Christians, we get annoyed by and frustrated by this happening. Um, and as well, well, this isn't fair. Uh, and, and the picture that we find in Psalm 37, I'm going to read a few excerpts of it, a um, few verses of it. But it's, it's just this idea that we just must wait patiently. God will take care of it in his time. His ways are better than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. At the end of the day, it's our job to wait. But what an interesting theme that could probably be explored over like 42 chapters of a, long, of a longer book too. Just the idea of you know, suffering. What should we do with that? I feel like you're alluding to Job. Waiting on the Lord. (laughs) What what an interesting thought. Job is Evan's... uh, It's a good time. I don't even know how to describe it anymore. It was your your love affair for a while. It's been like a good... Uh, You spent two years years on it. Yeah. And then you wrote your own little commentary. It's still in process of being edited and reviewed. Um, But maybe when it's coming out, we'll... I'll buy a book and we'll gift it to one of our podcast listeners. Yeah, you're when, special. When Anyways, we get to it, it'll be exciting. Yes, Psalm 37. I want to read a few verses. Some of the this psalm is is very is very familiar to many of us who have been in church long enough. Some of these verses uh, that I'm not even going to hit um, have been things that we have held on to or we have said in different seasons or different moments of life. Um, but you're going to get this vibe of Proverbs, this wisdom literature uh, through throughout the entirety of the psalm. But I'm just going to read seven verses because I thought. Uh, It'd be a good place to start there. It says this, verse one, do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong for they wither like, they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Making your righteousness shine like the dawn, just in your justice, like the noonday. Then verse seven says, be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in this way, by the person who carries out evil plans. And it continues on. And you have these one line hits that you could take separately out of the context. It sounds weird that someone's saying, take the scripture out of context. I'm not saying do that, but you can use these verses just like you could in Proverbs. And each line is going to carry its own weight and its own power mm-hmm. and its own pact. And so impact. Um, so Psalm is going to, you're going to read through Psalm. It feels like a little bit like Proverbs, but you remember it's this idea of 
addressing why do why do godless people prosper and the challenge for you and me as a follower of christ is to be patient and trusting god because at the end god is going to separate it's the sheep and the goats god is going to separate and hold everyone accountable for how they responded um, and our job as faithful followers of christ is to wait patiently for god to have his way um, so that's Psalm 37, just a quick highlight to it. Uh, the last Psalm we're going to hit this week is Psalm 92. Uh, and this is just a Psalm of, of thanks and praise to God celebrating the blessing of Sabbath, um, which is this day for rest and gathering for worship. Um, so it's going to be about the Sabbath. Uh, you're going to see as we read the Psalms, there's going to be some parallel and some connection to uh, a lot of the, the things that we're already talking about, whether it's Leviticus and talking about Sabbath, um, whether it's a certain holiness thing. So it's, it's kind of fun to see the Psalms trickled in throughout the week. Um, but that's the three we're hitting this week. Uh, and that kind of gives you kind of a quick idea of, of kind of where we're at. So that's Psalms for this week. All right. Well, before we wrap up today, we did get another question in and it says this. Shalom. Hey, shalom. Shalom, listener. Uh, oh, learned scholars. I don't know if I read that. Okay. I read the question earlier and I totally missed the word shalom. Hey, there you go. It, it fits with the Leviticus theme That's right brilliant. now. That's uh, brilliant. So Exodus 23 specifically commands three festivals to be celebrated, of which we as Christians celebrate none, none of, of them. them. That is correct. Uh, there was a disagreement on the podcast as to Passover, and I'm curious if you could elaborate on your position. Should we observe any older Jewish customs? If Is it okay if we do or don't? Uh, Or is it fine that we celebrate Easter by overindulging in chocolate and consuming the traditional and blatantly unJewish selection of ham? I feel like that's like a backhanded question. Like, whoa. I feel like I just got popped in the face. Dude, Easter. Because I celebrate chocolate. Easter ham is great. We zeroed in on on different foods there, but... um, Okay. I'm a a sweet guy. You're savory. So that's how it works. All right. So this this is a good question. Um, I think first off, and this is where we wouldn't have any disagreement, I'm pretty sure. Um, I do not think that... When I say the word should, we are we as Christians are not bound to celebrate any festivals. So in that sense, no, we should. It's not that we should do anything. Yeah. Um, I think Paul's very clear that as Christians, the old covenant has been fulfilled. The new covenant is here. Um, but with that, it's not. He's not saying never celebrate these festivals. He's just saying this is not a standard that we need to hold yeah. Christians to. And so, because it comes up when when Paul goes back to Jerusalem, that's the whole thing. Is like the Jewish leaders there, or the Christian Jewish leaders there, are saying Paul's saying we don't you never celebrate these things. I didn't say that. I just said like you don't have to. Like basically, like Gentiles who become Christians, they don't have to be culturally Jewish. They can be, they can be Gentiles and do their whole thing. So. That's kind of that's kind of the whole stance there. Yeah. As far as if if it's healthy or if it's good, yeah. I mean, it's fine. Like, I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad thing one way or the other. Like, I personally, I'll put it this way. Um, I personally don't celebrate Old Testament festivals. I know some people who do. Um, I think what what is healthy though, and it's kind of like what we talked about in Leviticus. It's healthy to kind of reflect on them every once in a while. Like, so Passover. Um, I, I do think it's good to reflect on, you know, God's deliverance of his people and in a similar, in a much greater way, like Jesus is the greater Passover. So we can reflect on how God delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt, how they hadn't, <laughs> you know, they didn't deserve it. Um, there was nothing they could really do. They were completely powerless. There was no uprising that could happen. And yet God delivers them in the same way we were dead in sin. There was, there was no hope of escaping and then God delivers us. So it's things like that where I think the healthiest way to look at the Old Testament festivals is to see how does Jesus fulfill them? Mm-hmm. How is Jesus the better um, Passover? How, how is Jesus the better um, 
Day of Atonement? How is Jesus the better festival of booths, um, the better Purim? All, all of those different things. I think they all point forward in time to the new covenant and when Jesus fulfills those things. So there you go. That's my thought. Yeah. And I, I so I, I think a couple of things. I think first, um, I've been trying to rack my brain about what the disagreement was. And I think it was about the Seder meal. So Passover with right. the Seder meal, correct? Yeah. La- uh, last week I mentioned like, yeah, it's cool. You should do it sometime. Yeah. And I was like, no. Uh, so that makes total sense. I, and I think he- here's what I, here's what I would say. Like you, you, the question is, should we observe any Jewish co- customs, any older Jewish customs? Um, I don't, and again, I agree with you. I don't think we should. I think we should learn about them. I think we should understand mm-hmm. the value of them. And because there's, there's, there's something to be said about the Seder meal for sure. Um, and what it represents and the different components to a Seder meal. The challenge with the Seder meal is it's if we're not careful or prepared or if we don't have the right teacher, I guess that's a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. it it's going to lose a lot of its its potency. Um, but I don't think we should be participating every year in, in a Seder meal because we're under a new covenant. And I think mm-hmm. that's a big piece to it. Um, I think um, Passover is is deeply connected um, to Good Friday and Easter. Passover is deeply connected to um, God's ultimate redemption plan and alluding in the Old Testament to the coming Messiah, where because of Christ's blood and his death, and, re- and which is symbolism in the death and resurrection, not symbolism, sorry, it's a bad word, seen in the death and resurrection, um, Passover carries a lot of weight for us, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to understand that. We need to see the connection. Um, because if we don't, then we're going to miss the the validity of the Old Testament, and we're going to do what so many people do today. We're just going to write it off and cast it aside. Um, we're going to bypass the book of Leviticus because it's hard to read. Um, one of the things that Paul says in 1 Corinthians is to work out your salvation, oh, no, sorry, Philippians, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's something to be said about understanding why we believe what we believe and why it's so potent and powerful. Christ is the fulfillment, but there's variable things. So, um, so I just wanted like that, that's kind of the, the disagreement. That's the, me elaborating as you've asked, um, my position on it. I think there's high value in understanding Passover. I think there's high value in participating, um, and experiencing a Seder dinner, but I don't think we should be practicing it every year. Um, as a, as a method of righteousness. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a, for me, it, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just ignorant or whatever, but for me, it's a, it's a deepening walk with Jesus to understand what Christ has really done. Um, so that's what I would say. I, I don't think, I don't think we have to, um, I do feel a little bit offended that you said that we overindulge in chocolate and consuming the traditional blatantly Jewish, <laughs> un-Jewish selection of ham. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's just awesome. But it is, I think that the meaning, uh, the meaning surrounding Easter the value of having a meal together. We see this biblically in the New Testament, especially even in the Old Testament, that feasts were part of celebration. And if that meal on Easter, that ham or the chocolate or the Easter bunny or the Easter eggs or the the scavenger hunts for Easter eggs, Easter egg hunt, I guess is what you're supposed to say. um, If all of those things do not lead us to a point of celebratory reflection of what Christ has done, all it is is overindulgence. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, now here's the thing. I think we can become gluttonous, but that's a whole different podcast. Um, but I think it's overindulgence. And so I think that's where we got to be careful too. But, um, it's definitely, a, definitely a, a question that I think is worth. That's why I love the podcast is because it helps us. Even me as I'm listening and reading, I'm learning new things. Um, I don't have all the answers. Um, Evan doesn't have all the answers. He has a whole lot more than me. Uh, but Un- untrue. I, I love that. I love that we get to learn together and it, we get to grow and, and understand things more 
vibrantly, I guess, if that makes sense. So um, I've always viewed it as total side note, the whole Wizard of Oz experience. You go from black and white and they do a brilliant semantical thing where they go from black and white to color mm-hmm. um, in, in the land of Oz. And I think that that's, that's the, the journey that I'm trying to be on in my faith and my walk with Jesus and understanding scripture is to go from uh, a muted gray tone version to a vibrant, colorful version. But that's a process and a journey too. So that's why I think it's valuable to to not throw out things, but to really dive in and understand why. Yeah, I, it's funny as as we were talking. I think I, I had never really thought of it this, about this before. But um, communion really is a replacement of Passover, and Easter yes. is really a replacement of the Day of Atonement. Yeah, as far as like so kind, of, kind of the two big festivals. Um, yeah, because we remember the same things. We remember how God delivers us mm-hmm. and. and how God delivered the Passover communion. And then the, the, the first communion, the Lord's Supper was on Passover. Um, and then Easter really reminds us of where the day of atonement was making atonement every year for the sins of his people. Easter is a reminder of the, the one time that Jesus made atonement for the sins of the world. Yeah, so kind of cool really there. Um, and then finally, I think we talked about this a lot at Christmas, but I do think as, as Christians and as we continue to live in a more, um, post-Christian society, I guess you could say. I do think it's very important for us, not not in like a mean-spirited way, but to always make sure that we keep Jesus at the center of both of those holidays. Yes, Because it's, it's very easy, um, particularly with Christmas, but I think it's getting there with Easter too. It's very easy just to kind of make it about like, oh yeah, it's the bunny and the eggs and we love doing the scavenger hunt or like, you know, the presents and the tree and all these different things. But um, always make sure that we're reflecting on the truth of those holidays, yeah, absolutely. what we're celebrating. So that's just a nice little encouragement as yeah. we're, I guess we're not super close to Easter, but we're getting there. Yeah. We, it's coming I, up. We're, we're, we're closer than we realize. In church world, we've been meeting about Easter for a few <laughs> weeks yeah. now. So. Well, and I think, I mean, just to even say, I mean, to shift, I know this is a, a, let's read the Bible podcast together podcast, but let's, but even the practical side of things as I'm raising my kids, there is something to be said about prioritizing Christ at the center of Easter, prioritizing Christ at the center of Christmas, prioritizing Christ at the center of, of everything, of generosity, of of serving, of there's, I think there's value in, in a, ne- a need, especially as parents. And if you're a parent raising kids, um, as long as they're still your children, you have opportunities to, to invest and pour and reflect and point back to Jesus and all of it. Uh, but to, to tie all of those things back to Christ, um, practically, I always do that with Christmas, especially where we reflect on our ability to be generous with the family is, is a, is a, is a, is a microcosm of God's generous generosity towards us. Mm-hmm. So when they celebrate all their gifts throughout the day, you'll hear me in different moments like, man, God is so good to us, isn't he? Not only has he given us the ability to be generous towards each other, but that he's given us so much more. And that's what we get to celebrate in Christ's arrival. And so um, I think there's practical ways to do it as a parent. Uh, and I know this isn't a parenting podcast, but it is It is important to, to make sure we're keeping Christ at the center of all of it, um, especially as we read through the Old Testament and we recognize some of these, you know, old Jewish customs and laws and festivities and parties and all of that. It's it's Christ-centric in all of it. So yeah, that's all I got. Well, that, that wraps it up for this week's episode of Let's Read the Bible. Uh, we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but, and hey, listener, 
I can tell you that there is a, there is another podcast coming. So oh, I know Aaron, snap. Aaron doesn't even know about I know it. All about so. it, bro. Oh, do you? Did you hear about it? Oh, okay. Yeah, it sounds kind of cool. I like it. So anyway, keep, stay tuned in the next few months. Uh, we'll be launching that. So that's what we call in the business a teaser. So anyway, yep. there you go. Stay tuned. Uh, but if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you'd like to financially contribute to the ministry of the Grove Church, you can do that on our website, grove.church. There's a give button in the upper right-hand corner. But yeah, thank you all for listening. Have a great day. 